everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is rock and roll photographer Larry Hulst. He's photographed legendary artists, including Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, David Bowie, Led Zeppelin, and the Grateful Dead. The hallmark of his work is capturing live concerts. His photographs have been published in Rolling Stone and Time, in several biographies and various books, and they've been used as album covers or art for Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton, and Bruce Springsteen. How about that? And as you know, in every episode of this podcast, I like to feature one of my songs underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make it relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, my featured song is my reimagined version of I'm So Glad, a song popularized by Cream. My version was recorded live by my band, Project Grand Slam, at the Nisfil Jazz Festival in Serbia. And it's on my new live album called It's Alive. I chose this song because Larry shot photos of Eric Clapton, who, of course, was in cream. So, Larry Holst, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Good morning. Good to have you on, Larry. Okay, listen, you're one of the great rock photographers. I want to hear about the whole thing. How'd you get started? Did you have a brownie camera when you were a kid? How'd you get into photography? When I went to Vietnam, I bought a camera and I talked to people and learned how to use that somewhat. Um, when I came back to Vietnam, I had a a Minolta SRT 101, and I lived about an hour from the Fillmore Auditorium in San Francisco. So I started to go to shows in 1969, the last month between, well, it was November and December of 1969. I did see Eric Clapton with Bonnie and Delaney at those shows. And I saw Mountain, and I saw a few other bands during that era. After that, um, I started going to college, and at the college, they invited me to be on the photography staff to go and to run around and take pictures of the college students. And during that time, I was also going to shows and I was starting to incorporate my photographs into the college newspaper. And I caught the attention of a man named Russ Solomon. Russ Solomon owns all of Tower Records. And at that time, he owned about two or three different Tower Records. And in 1972, he invited me to be able to sell my photographs in front of his store in Sacramento on Watt Avenue. So you were selling your photographs in front of the Tower Records store in San Francisco, huh? In Sacramento. Sacramento. Because, you know, Tower Records used to have a gigantic store in New York City, which is where I'm from. And um, unfortunately, like so many other record stores, Tower Records is gone at this point. But Solomon, you know, he had a real chain at one time. So that's pretty cool. 
And how did you set up? Did you have a booth of some kind or how did you sell the stuff? We just put them on blankets. And I decided that I couldn't sell my photographs for any more than what the records were being sold for at that time. The records were about $3. So someone would come into the store, they'd have to walk past about 100 different photographs we would have laid out for them to look at and possibly buy on the way out. I stayed there for about 18 years. Wait a minute. 18 years in front of the Tower Records? Yeah, uh, and it, um, it only gets better. <laughs> um, <laughs> so people would come by and they'd go, this artist is playing so-and-so. Can you go get photographs of him? And I would not know who the artists were, but I would go take photographs and, and show them and possibly sell the work. At that time, I had no idea about access to get photograph of an artist. I paid the money to go to the show. You were allowed to bring in anything you wanted for quite a long time up through the 70s. And at that point, then it started to get a little bit more serious and um, publicity agents came in and, and I had to go and find access. All right, hold on a second. I want to cover this before we go further. So you would go to the shows as a fan, right? You're just your fan that has a camera. Exactly. Okay. And did the venues kind of allow you to go up close to the stage? Or were you just sitting in your seat taking photos? What happened there? I went to mostly Winterland and the Fillmore at that time. Winterland was an all-access, um, no seating. I see. Stand up right next to the stage. I like to stand back about 15 feet from the, from the performers. I'm six foot five. I give you a visual that looks like in the finished product that the performers is playing for me. <laughs> Almost head to head with these people on stage. So most of the photography at that time was black and white. I was learning how to find a nice position to take this photograph by looking at Jim Marshall's pictures. Jim Marshall was the premier photographer of all photographers during the 60s and the 70s. So you were there as a fan. You're taking pictures from the audience. You weren't there with the bands, right? Did they even know you were there or did you approach them afterwards? What happened? I just bought a ticket and went in. Um, later on, I did find some people that allowed me to go backstage, but I didn't go backstage and hang out with and take photographs. I basically enjoyed watching the performer doing his job as a musician. I didn't really want to know about personal life. So I didn't, I didn't shoot for access to backstage. And I also never really thought photographs were any any more important than anybody else's. So I wasn't submitting them to the agencies of the record companies that were promoting a, an artist. I did see Clapton in Cream. I saw him with Bonnie and Delaney. And then I seen him almost every time that he had played. I caught probably the best performances I saw of Clapton was during the Arms Benefit. And I saw three nights of the arms benefit in San Francisco at the Cow Palace, photographed those. And the arms benefit would, had Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and Jimmy Page playing along with Charlie Watts and um, Simon Phillips and drums. Ex excellent. Each night, each performer played their own set. And then they would play at the end with Joe Cocker come out and they'd play a couple of songs like Little Help My Friend. So... From there, I started seeing Clapton more often. I had a photograph, 24 Nights album, 
that came out, I don't know, years later. Other albums that I've had photographs on was two albums on Hendrix, the South Saturn Delta album, and the family album that the Hendrix family put out. It was the box set that had all four CDs that Hendrix released. The Springsteen album I have is on box set. I think it's on the River box set. ACDC, I have a European version of Back in Black. I've got a photograph on that. All right, but I got to stop you for a second. How did these artists find out about your photos? How did they get on these covers or in the box sets? Excellent question. Eventually, I went with Getty Images after Getty bought the company that I was a stock photo. I was with a stock photo agency called Michael Oaks Archives. And Getty bought those. And along with the archives, they were my photographs of these artists. And so the record companies went to Getty. They did not come to me personally. And subsequently, I found published afterwards. I had no idea that they were going to be used on the album or not. Now, there was one difference in that, and that was the day that I met Robert Plant in San Francisco, a Harley Strictly concert. I was standing watching Emmylou Harris being inducted into the Berkeley Music school i guess she graduated there i turned around and robert plant was about five inches from me and i looked down and i had a photograph of robert plant at that time playing with led zeppelin in the park which is keysar stadium and i showed it to him and when the induction ceremony was over with he told me to come backstage with him and we went backstage and he asked me immediately who took this photograph because I've never seen it, he said. And I shot the photograph in Kizar Stadium in 1973. And it's probably my most famous picture. I probably sold probably four to 5,000 of them at $3 a piece. Now, this is the photo that became the cover of Houses of the Holy. Am I correct? Cover, but it was used on a reissue by Jimmy Page four years ago. And it's on a I don't even know what you call them. This one was in a box set, and it was a hardcover book of all the photos that he had collected for 1973. And so the main picture was my photograph. All of a sudden, it turned up where I was talking to Ross Halfen, and I mentioned something to him, and he goes, do you have any pictures of Jimmy Page? And Ross Halfen was a major Jimmy Page photographer, that Liz Zeppelin photographer at the time. And so I told him I had this picture. I sent it to him. He sent it to Jimmy Page. And within a month and a half, through our communication, it was on the House of the Holy reissue album. Not the original, but still, I made it to the top of the food chain. That's pretty cool. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. It's finally spring here in the United States. So I'm playing my song, Spring Dance, underneath this message. Spring is a time for renewal and growth. And I've just begun the third year of this podcast. It's been quite a ride so far. Over 170 episodes, more than 800,000 downloads, ranked in the top 1% of all podcasts. 
with listeners in 200 countries. My guests have included famous musicians, actors, directors, broadcasters, corporate CEOs, and others. My goal with each is to have fun and entertain you, the audience, and of course, to inspire you to follow and succeed at your dream. As a professional musician with a dozen highly acclaimed albums and millions of video views and streams, I infuse my music into each episode, and the podcast has allowed me to introduce my music to a worldwide audience. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode when it airs. And also, please sign up for our weekly emails, which keep you up to date on everything. The links are in the show notes to each episode. And also, please check out our website at followyourdreampodcast.com. I want to thank you all for listening and keep on rocking. Now, I have to ask the question, were you getting paid for these at this point, at least? I got paid $250 per, per image. Page paid, paid me for three images. And um, the other ones, I got paid one time use, and it was approximately $250 for each one of the other, other albums that I had photographs on. And no royalties involved. Did you think at the time, this is back in the 60s and the 70s for the most part, did you think at the time when you were taking these photos that this whole era was going to last as long as it has? No, not at all. And I, I thought everybody took photographs at concerts. And so then I found, <laughs> I found that it was a select group of people that shot in San Francisco, and I was one of them. But I wasn't involved in the magazines, so my pictures weren't getting published. Eventually, a person named Phil Carson wrote an article about me in a local magazine. And from there, that article turned into me having a photographic museum exhibition of concert photography. It has gone to 45 museums now showing my work in America. Wow. The exhibition is 75 different photographs that I created and that I matted and framed. The most recent exhibition is going on right now in Dover, Delaware, at a museum called the Biggs Museum, and it's a spectacular exhibition. All right, so tell me more about this. This is 75 photos, all different artists, and it's all from the same era that we're talking about? No, it's, it's an accumulation of photographs, and it's called Celebrating 30 Years of Rock and Roll, originally of the exhibition and then when it went more national they wanted to have a bigger name to draw people in and it's called front row center by larry holst um, we made a book we sold about 140 copies of the book and it has every photograph that's in the exhibition along with another 50 photographs or maybe no, 70 photographs more so this book that had 140 of my photos and yes, I have shot the Grateful Dead. I've probably been to a hundred of their shows, and I, I just wish I would have gone to only ninety-nine and seen Bob Marley once. Would have been nice to have had some pictures of Nirvana 
It would have been great to have a picture of John Lennon, but he stopped touring in 66, so I didn't start shooting until 69. I didn't have a chance to get a photograph of John Lennon. All right, but you got a George Harrison story, don't you? I have a good George Harrison story. Let me hear this. From Sacramento, I drove down to L.A. to go see Elton John play his final tour, and he was performing at the Dodger Stadium in front of 70,000 people. I went down, I photographed that show, and I had a photograph with me that I took from the week before George Harrison was playing at the Cow Palace. I printed a picture of a 16 by 20 of George Harrison. I took it with me down to L.A. because I knew that I was going to go to A&M Records, and I was going to talk to them about being a photographer for A&M Records because I made contact with somebody through that record company. So I went down to A&M Records while I was in L.A. that weekend, or that during that week, and I had this photo, and they said, that's a, a nice photo. Has George Harrison seen this photo? And I said, I don't think so. I just took the picture last week, and I don't think he knows me. And they said, would you like to show this picture to George Harrison? And I said, sure. But I have, I have no idea how we're going to do that. And he goes, he just, his office is right down the hall. Let's go down. He took me down, and I had no idea what I was going to say to George Harrison. Then he came out of this room. He's got his arm around two ladies that are Indian in nationality, and he's coughing and complaining that he had the flu. I thought, geez, have you some given the Hare Krishnas enough money yet so that you could be free of sickness? Just to myself, thought of it as being funny. So he asked what's going on, and I said, I took this photo of you last week, and I'd like to be able to sell it to you because I need some gas money to get back to Sacramento from L.A. And he goes, really? I go, can I get $20 for it? And he goes, no, but can you send me a free one? And I said, sure. He said, the reason why I can't use your photograph, it's too large. And I also have these nice photographs that the president's photographer shot. And we talked for about 10 minutes. He signed my photograph. And I left. I just completely dazed out. I couldn't believe I just met a Beatle. I got to believe that him signing your photograph is worth a whole lot more than if you had sold it to him for 20 bucks. <laughs> I know. And we did it and do it. We did it in, in some kind of, of a, it dissolved. It it went away. So I have it in my mind. I know it's there. But it was a pleasure to meet him. And I've, I've photographed Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr since. Did you show them the uh, photographs as well? Oh, no. I just submitted them to um, Getty. So there's a little bit in there. Getty has about 5,000 of my photographs on their site. I have an opportunity recently to be able to, to sell a David Gilmore picture through Morrison Hotel, which is Henry Diltz's website. Right, Henry Diltz. So that's a, a real honor. So I'm waiting to find out more about that. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, Henry Diltz is another rock photographer. He did that fabulous cover for the first Crosby, Stills, and Nash album. And he's done many other covers as well. You have interviewed a lot of photographers. I have had the great pleasure of interviewing several other great rock photographers, including Bob Gruen and several other guys. And, you know, it's, it's, it's related in many ways to the music that I love so much. It's the same era for most of the photos that we're talking about. And it's just an offshoot of the, the concerts and the musicians and the music, which is 
something that I, I feature a great deal of on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have become a, a terrific rock photographer, almost like an accidental rock photographer. You didn't set out to do this. You were just back from Vietnam. And then you worked for the military for a long time, didn't you? I worked for them for 33 years as a civil servant. I was a photographer for them from 1983 to 2010. I worked at Mather Air Force Base as a photographer, and then I got transferred to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And I photographed for them for nine years. And then from there, I got transferred to another base in Colorado Springs where I retired. So originally, I used experience as a photographer on my initial experience paperwork that you had to fill out for to be a civil servant and I said I was a concert photographer and I also shot for the American River College newspaper and that got me with that experience a position in as a photographer for the Air Force. So you're doing photographs for the Air Force during the day and you're doing rock photographs at night was that kind of how it went? <laughs> um, I called it, I would I would shoot generals in the daytime and shoot rock and roll at night. And it was a psychotic and nobody else does that. And <laughs> everybody that listens to me says, that's crazy. And it worked well because I had the permission from the superintendent to shoot everything you possibly can. And they liked my work. It was a dream. I had never shot football. I'd never shot sports at all. And it gave me that experience, and I loved it. That's um, that's a, an interesting life that you've had <laughs> in the field of photography, for sure. We have been speaking here with Larry Hulst, kind of an accidental rock photographer, but one that has done so much within the genre with all the different stars that you photographed and concerts and all of that. So I want to thank you for being on this podcast. It's been really a pleasure. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's sensational. And it really has been a pleasure. And I hope to meet you personally, Robert. That would be great. Now we're going to listen to that song of mine that started off uh, the show under the introduction. It's my version of I'm So Glad, popularized by Cream and Eric Clapton, who Larry has shot, uh, photographically, of course. <laughs> and I want to thank you all for listening. We will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.
Thank you.